Welcome to a new podcast called What the Devil. This is a collaboration between United District, which is me, Dylan and Kane, and United View. And this week we have Rich and Marcel with us. And we're going to be talking about all things Manchester United. Not too heated, nice and chilled and playing some games as well. Man, I'm, in, I'm excited. This, this studio looks nice and despite United being so poor at the moment, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this started, guys. And we're going to start off by talking about what is the worst period Man United have had since Sir Alex Ferguson <laughs> retired? The worst couple of months, where do you think it's been? Every, every period, according yes, to yeah. everyone online. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's every manager, there's kind of that, that period under their manager where everyone's debating online yeah. whether it was the worst period. Yeah. Personally, I don't know, like, I feel like the end of Oli was really sad. Mm. Like, I feel like those last few games, the Watford game in particular, I think that was a low point mainly because, I don't know about you guys, but like, Oli, like, because of the connection to the club, I don't, I wasn't completely Oli in like some people, but mm. that connection that you had to the club and then you just see kind of the downfall, and it was quite quick. Mm. I think that was maybe one of them, but you can kind yeah. of argue for any for of me, them. For me, actually, it's similar in a sense because it, it, you just saw it come in and I, and I understand where you're coming from with the Oli one, right? Because we had one game, oh, he's probably should go now. Next game, he, he really should go now. <laughs> and then last game, okay, yeah, you need to get rid of him. But for me, it's actually the similar period for Mourinho. So when, because um, I remember the last game for him was Liverpool. And yeah. I was, it was around Christmas time, it was just after Christmas, I, I, or maybe just before, I can't remember. I've, just before, just after, because I was having a Christmas, um, you know, Friendsmas, as you do, with my friends, and one of them is a Liverpool fan, and we went to a pub to watch it, right? And it was just so, oh, no. like, it was so devastating, right? And same again with around Oli time, you had a lead up to it, you just saw it coming, yeah. they had all the toxic toxicity around the club, around the fan base, with the players, you know, the Pogba arguments, everything like that. It just became... Like to, it just came to a head, really, didn't it? So for me, it would the worst period or worst month or few weeks under any manager since Fergie has to be right at the end of the Solskjaer. Before, right? yeah. No, Mourinho, Mourinho, Mourinho. Yeah. Well, yeah. Didn't, I think well, I, I agree with you, Kane, in terms of you know it was a difficult time, the Oli period. That game, the Watford game in particular, I was actually at a wedding, so oh. it was a good oh. day for me. Lucky, it was it's always day. where you yeah, are, isn't it? it? You always remember where you are. It was a good day. It was a good yeah, day. I remember that game so well. Yeah, yeah, it was a good day for me. I was getting the updates on my phone. Everyone's mm. laughing at me around the tables. <laughs> yeah. It was a good day. It was a wedding, so it was my cousin's wedding. Um, but I would say maybe the Moyes era. It was very. Mm. It was short lived. It was extremely short lived. I think six months did and all something like that. Yeah, to um, so the whole the whole Moyes era. Extremely, you know, short lived, yeah. and, and we didn't give him enough time to really implement what he wanted to do because right. of you know the work that Sir Alex had done. Saf had done so much work beforehand. We expected so much, and he had failed. Yeah. So I think the Moyes era. Or I would agree maybe the, the Ole era, just mm. because of the style of football. We had seen that style of football so many times again and again and again. He wasn't fully backed, I think, in the market. So he wasn't able to kind of get a winning style consistently yeah. over a course of season. So definitely the Moyes or the Ole era. What about you? What do you think? I was about to say, it's quite funny. We've all gone for four different yeah. things. Because mine's the bit that I just remember being the most just like dejected is that period on the Van Hal where we oh, didn't okay, score. Okay. There's that period where I think we didn't score in the first half of an Old Trafford oh. game. For something like 14 games. And the only goal that was scored at Old Trafford was against United in that 2-1 loss to Norwich. I remember that game so vividly. When Martial scored, we lost 2-1 to Norwich and I was just like head in hands yeah. like this on the sofa. <laughs> but I'd say the reason I picked that is because that's the flattest I've felt. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Because there have been times, you know, where it's just felt horrible, as it has a lot over the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah. But that's the time where I've kind of felt the Fully flattest. Numb. Yeah. Fully yeah. Numb. 
Yeah. And was, it was dead football as well. Like, oh, it was, so yeah. dead. Like 55 passes <laughs> oh, to hit the post. I and then we go and see the counter-attack within what minutes. What game was it where we had like the record number of crosses into the box? Southampton. And we didn't score yeah. a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a Southampton game or something. I was I was thinking about saying Van Gaal, but it's like, mm. it's like so with, the, with the Oli thing, I was like, there's more of a connection with us. Yeah. Van Gaal, it, it, like you say, it was so dry. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, I just remember like going around my granddad's house and we were both like... Got to wa- watch the game. Yeah. Like, it was kind of mm. that. I mean, he had a really poor squad. And Van oh, Howe, yeah. Van Howe had a really poor squad. I mean, if he was able to get world-class players, maybe a system would have been able it's, to it's, work. It's one signing that was good in Di Maria, then just left. That was it, yeah. And, and I think he, he was with a lot of youth players and things. So I didn't want to criticise him too much, but it yeah, was a poor yeah. error in terms of the style of football. You're yeah. right, it was barren. So, and to yeah. be fair, when you, when you look back now... And you think, you know, you, we were, at the time we probably didn't think the squad was that bad, actually. Because you're thinking, oh, Di Maria, yeah. you know, here and there. And yeah, that was, wasn't that when Falcao came in as well. And we had been Victor yeah. Valdez as well and never played a yeah. game. Um, but then, <laughs> exactly. But Victor then now, let's say, let's say if we look back at this period now in five, ten years, we might say this squad was rubbish as well, to be fair. Yeah, like, so. you always think that the current squad's like yeah. a really good squad until a couple of years later, yeah. like. Under Mourinho, like the kind of first seasons, everyone thought that squad, like when he brought in Pogba, Ibra, uh, Eric Bailly, everyone was like, this is a really solid squad. And you kind of look back and it's not, you don't think it's as good. So there's not, they're just not gelled squads, are they? But then you you do look at, you look back at every single manager as well, maybe apart from Moyes Mm. a little bit, I guess, and go, they also had really good like periods. Yeah. yeah. Well, Moyes didn't. Moyes didn't have it. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Moyes did not have a good but period. Every, you're right. Every other manager had a high almost and a low. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's one of the reasons why actually maybe um, and I guess we'll go into it later on. But when maybe when you say Oli's bad period was the worst because the high was so so yeah. high. Yeah. Right? This, yeah. Because so, this is the next thing I was going to say yeah. is if that's you've all picked like our lowest periods. Yeah. Where do you think is the highest period? Because exactly. I would say mine is that interim period under Ole. 100%. I've never yeah. had so much fun. Like, yeah. Okay, we're talking past after Sir Alex retired, because yeah. obviously before of was course, yeah. so very good fun. Yeah. Past Sir Alex retiring, I've never had as much fun as watching like the fu- like that first game against Cardiff, that yeah. 5-1, the Rashford goal, yeah. Jesse Lingard's goal, because back in the day I was a big Jesse Lingard <laughs> fan. <laughs> just because really it was yeah. so yeah. much fun. Like, Prime, younger Prime J well. Lings was... Yeah. But that I'd say that period for me was just... Oh, it's just so much fun. I have to agree with Vibes. you. And that, that's why I was almost going to say, um, you know, for the worst, it was the Oli bit because of just such a huge contrast. It's a really good point. Um, but for me, yeah, 100%, ha- anyway, for me, it has to be that period when he first came in, we were winning, we, we just were unbeatable. And then when we, it peaked with, um, when we beat PSG as well, and he was like, Martin's yeah. there to be climbed. And it, the, the whole Oli period, when it was good, it was really good. Right? Like a story. But then it? when it was bad, it was dreadful. Joe, I'd, <laughs> I'd kind of probably agree with the Ollie period, but mm. a different period, not the mm. interim bit. Do you know what? The, the period where up until the Everton game, I remember it was Everton, the free all draw, where Pogba got injured. I think yeah. running up to that game, we were in really good form. And I think we like were top of the league for yeah. maybe like a day, like a week or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. we were like kind of up there and Pogba was playing in the like form of his life. Mm. And then I think he got injured within like the first five minutes of that Everton game. And then they can they scored like a ninety something minute win um, equaliser, and it kind of tailed off from there. But in the kind of build up to that, I remember like actually being like kind of a bit more confident for like the first time in a little while. So yeah, I'd I'd probably say Oli. I mean, I think I think Ten Hag's periods last season might be like just below it. I think Mm. that 
the problem is, I think it, a lot of it... It's tainted now, right? But, uh, yeah, yeah, but I think a lot of it depended on Rashford just being in like yeah. perfect yeah. form during mm-hmm. that like t- two to three month period. Yeah. Whereas I think that period, it wasn't much based on one particular player. Mm-hmm. I think Rashford last season... Carried you look back degree. and you do think yeah. he carried a little bit. Um, I can, I, yeah, I can agree with you, both of you, Dylan and Ken. I can agree with both of you in the sense that, you know, we were massively carried by Rashi last mm. season. I do agree with the Ole, the Ole kind of high. point in terms of high, yeah, yeah. the Ole high. But I'd also like to put Mourinho's kind of, you know, trophy season. Mm, I think really it's Europa, Europa League. season, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed the kind of progression through yeah. to the Europa League. I think Rashford kind of became a man in that season, yeah. you know, under uh, Mourinho, number 39 yeah. Rashi. And, and we've seen what kind of, the level of Rashi, he is a purple patch player now. Feel, but, like that you know, Tenog's job is to get him into a proper, you know, 30, 40 goal season striker at some stage, or he gets sold. So I would like to put Marino's 39 uh, Rashford kind of era. Um, and yeah, that's a good one. And so, where do you think, um, Martin, I'll come to you first, where do you think right now sits between the highest and the lowest? Because I've seen a lot online of people saying, obviously, we talked about recency bias yeah. quite a lot. Um, is right now actually the worst? Or is it not? Because there are a lot of circumstances right now where you can say basically Ten Hag's whole spine disintegrated yeah. in the first yeah. half of the yeah. season exactly. with all the injuries. Yeah. Yeah. So is it actually the worst period or is it just kind of, there are a lot of factors affecting it, making it look a lot worse than it you're will the, be? You're the host, Dylan. Oh, can, I, can, <laughs> I, can I use the whole of Ten Hag's era or can I only talk about right now these last two, three months? Are you let's about? say like first half of this season because okay. like right now, yeah, so let's say last three, four months. Yeah. Is it the worst United have been? Yeah. No, no, definitely not. So. And then in terms of where it's ranked, because Kane was talking about, you know, Ten Hag's era being part of the good bit under Ole's. So mm. Ole, Ten Hag, and then Mourinho maybe. But I would say th- this current half of the season, is, it's, it's not been that bad at all. And, and, I mm. would, and I would put LVG's, you know, whole tenure above it. I would put uh, David Moyes' six months above yeah. this current uh, six-month period under Ten Hag. Um, as in, maybe like, even worse? Even yeah. worse, okay, yeah, yeah, even yeah. worse right now. So, yeah, yeah so those two. And, and maybe the Ole period where we were saying when it went really bad was even worse, just because of the style of football that I'm seeing from those particular mm. managers mm. at their time when it was bad. And what we're trying to embark on now is a little bit different. We're just struggling because of little things like injuries, the whole span of the team, like you mentioned, Dylan, gone. I think those things have to, we have to consider as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point. I think it's a weird one because I'm sure there are fans out there that are listening to this now and saying... It, this is the worst we've ever been, yeah. right? And there's a lot of, especially I've, I've come to realise, I've got, I've got friends that are very much Ten Hag out. And when they are Ten Hag out, they're very, like, I think once you go, to, once you go manager out, there's no coming is, back. There's yeah. no coming yeah, back. And it's much. very, you're like all the way in, right? Um, so then when you think about it that way, you think, okay, what are the reasons, what are the main reasons they're, they're complaining about? Style of play, maybe, you know, fallouts with, you know, play, certain players, Jaden Sancho, you know, Ronaldo, whoever. Um, but I can't, I just can't get past the fact that there are there were worse times in the past 10 years since Fergie, Fergie than this time. There's, you know, okay, we're what, seventh in the league right now? Yeah, eighth, seventh, maybe? Yeah, seventh. Um, seventh, yeah. Seventh, but I think maybe. Brighton have got a game in hand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think we are as bad. I mean, don't get twisted. It could get worse this season. <laughs> yeah. It can get oh, worse. It can get a lot worse. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but right now, as things stand, you know, there's still a certain level of hope, in, for me anyway, in Ten Hag being a good coach and still having some of the players backing him and all these kind of things. And maybe it's just a case of we've been knocked down so much with all these other periods we're talking yeah. about that for some of us, maybe myself, it's a bit hard to be like, oh, this is the worst. Oh, I've, I've seen worse, definitely. Yeah. You, know, you just feel like you've been hit so much that this is nothing. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think this is... In terms of ranking, I would agree with Marcel that um, LVG's tenure was... I can't... The only... 
bright spot of LVG's tenure really was probably the start and the end when he won FA Cup. Uh, sorry, was it FA Cup we won? Yeah, 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 FA Cup. But even that was tainted by the fact that he got sacked immediately. <laughs> like the next know? day, yeah. So, I, did, yeah. I still kind of That wasn't really a bright or a high really then, yeah. was it? Um, so that has to be worse than now. Then obviously Moyes, no, nobody would ever say Moyes was better than Ten Hag. I hope not, anyway. Then you're looking at Mourinho's ending, um, Solskjaer's ending. This, this isn't that bad. I think we're asking a, a little bit of a like weird kind yeah. of time though, because I think in two months' time... We could be looking back, yeah. Because he's got the injury excuse at the moment, which I think is the main thing saving him, because it's kind of like the style of play is kind of... You don't know what's going on at the moment. It's weird, because a lot of the previous periods you go, the, the players have like completely lost yeah. like what the manager's trying to tell them. But I don't think that they are at the moment with Ten Hag. No, no. I just think that it's not working. I disagree with you, Ken. Oh, oh yeah. I you, really th do. you think, what, you, what do you reckon I, what, Ten Hag's trying to what do? I, what I think the style of play is there. I think the players can't implement it. I think previous era, we've had managers that try to construct a similar style of play. Mm. So the players to adapt to that similar style of play. Yeah, it's been yeah. an easier process. I think Tenog let himself down maybe because last season he carried on with that kind of notion of the similar style of play, counter-attacking base. Mm. And this season he tried to implement his style of football, which, you know, players are equipped for it to a degree anyway because he's purchased maybe 400 million yeah. worth of talent um, as well to, to add to the, to, the, to the squad. But majority of that squad, you know, a 30-man squad, majority of them cannot play this style of football, especially at Premier League winning calibre or Champions League winning calibre. So I think that's the issue that we're kind of... Yeah, I can, I can see that point to be fair I, I, I've always said kind of it's a little bit of a tangent so I won't go too yeah. long on it but I think Ten Hag's biggest problem is not just going straight into pushing his Way style was, of play yeah, from yeah. the minute he came in yeah. and when you think we brought in a goalkeeper and a striker this summer this season, yeah. those are two massive positions when you really think about it spine, so, part of spine, I don't. but yeah I, I, overall I think he's got a little bit of leeway because of the injuries mm. which is what makes it not as bad as kind of a few of those previous um, situations, yeah, but yeah. if it doesn't improve with the players coming back, then yeah. you might be looking at it going going a little bit more down. Yeah. Hopefully, it does not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think preseason was a big mistake. This eight games, yeah. yeah the preseason yeah. just oh, won yeah. eight. I know one of them was the youth game in Ireland, where the one, the one, no, the one in the US. Oh yeah, there was against that, Wrexham. Yeah, Wrexham. Yeah, that was whatever it is. So let's say seven game preseason for the first team. That's so many. Yeah. I think and, seven and games is way well, too many. Yeah. It's mainly the travel, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Like, because you, you can... I think most players were getting rotated for the first, like, three or four, like, mm. 45 minutes each. But it's mainly the travel, yeah. especially in America. Like, it does make you think... And Apparently, I think United are going back there this yep. summer. So yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with the club, though, isn't it? We've got... Always going to see we, we are such a big club. And, you know, we've got such a, a huge fan base, you kind of have to cater to them yeah, in some way or another. But they ha that has to be taken into account somehow. So, mm. you know. Kobe and, and Ahmad being injured. I think Kobe, yeah, we're seeing how pivotal yeah. he was to the single six element. Casemiro being ill-equipped to do it against Wolves and Nottingham Frost the first couple of games of the season. And Ahmad as well, man. I, I yeah. think Ahmad's a top player, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. so do I. I think as, as well, you, Ten Hag mentioned the other day, he was planning for Kobe, Kobe to be yeah. involved like yeah. from the off. And you kind of see now... Like back then, you uh, maybe people who weren't too familiar with him was thinking, mm. "What's he saying?" But it's like he's kind of it's proven to be like a good decision to yeah, bring him true. in. So, Thanks. yeah. Right. Next section, we're gonna be playing a game called Fact or Fiction. So I'm gonna read out ten phrases, let's say, that are taken from just ten facts about Manchester United, and I've altered some of them. 
There's 10. I haven't necessarily altered five each, otherwise you'd be able to tell what the last one is. I could have altered four, could have altered six. You literally, I read it out, just got to think, you know, is it fact or is it fiction? Okay. Easy, right. First one. According to the CEIS Football Observatory, Diogo Dallo and Anthony both have the same transfer value of 60 million euros. 16. 60. Oh, fact 60. or fiction? According to a board, it's according to some... Ooh. So the CIES, they use, like, there's an algorithm yeah, yeah. where they pick, you know, uh, they contract not. length, how much the player went for last time, age, all of that. And it's 16 million. So you're saying fact, fiction, and you've got fiction. That is true. Frickin come on, up. come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't know, I don't know why I thought that, Tifa, but yeah, it makes sense. Because of the different positions, right? So it affects yeah. the... You know. I don't put I no think, facts on this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to reason it out. How much Dallo got left on his contract? Isn't it? Yeah, he just, we just renewed it. He, he renewed, renewed it recently. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That that plays a factor yeah. in all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's surely it's more oh, worth more than that, then. It's 16 million. No, 60. 60. 60. I double checked and he heard 60. You heard me say 60. No, no, no. Right, next one. Five of the 20 all-time Premier League goal scorers have played for Manchester United at some point in their career? Five of the 20. Can I say some names while we're doing this? No. Yeah, I'm think. saying it's at least I'm, five, I'm, Can I say, can I say yeah, a name? I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm you, worried that Wayne Rooney is definitely on there, surely. All-time, yeah. 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 All-time Premier League goal scorer. Andy yeah. Cole has to be on there. Yeah. Ooh, you'd be surprised, actually. I don't think he is. Nah, yeah, Cole. 20? Yeah. He did, did he's, he he, Cole's second top yeah. behind Shearer, I yeah. think. Rude van Nistelrooy, I would like to think, will be on there somewhere. No, he wasn't here for long enough. Dylan, I'm trying to steal things from you, you know. I think it's fact, but I don't think... We've all said fact, Locked in? Yes, locked in, please. It's not true. Oh. It's six. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, we thought you had five, at least five. No. I, I was going to say, so I, thought, yeah. I thought that that right. was your... Yeah. Do you think you guys can name the six? Okay, cool. Yes. All right. So, oh, where's, where's Andy, Andy Cole? Team, yeah? where's Andy Cole? Yes. Rooney, Cole. Rooney. Um, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Is Van Nistelrooy? No, no Van Nistelrooy is not Teddy Sheringham. No. Oh. He's not. Dwight York. Dwight York. Yeah, yeah bad man. Um, so we've got Rooney, Dwight York. Is Robin Van Persie up there? Obviously, with yes. Oh, and Rashford. Fingers there. Rashford's not on there. Oh, nah, no way. You, okay, never mind. There's two more. Oh, one of them. Con- controversial signing is, was one of them. Can't, not Carlos No. Not Carlos No. Well, I've said top not. 20. Top 20. Controversial signing. I want to say. Uh, is, is this. Nexus. This I'll might give, sound I'll dumb. Give is you this Lukaku one? Lukaku, Lukaku is one yes, of them. And the other one's Michael Owen. Oh, yeah, yeah he's controversial signing. Yeah. Yeah. Right, <laughs> number three, this one's a bit of a long one. Manchester United's nickname, the Red Devils, was founded in World War I due to the 1st Battalion of the Salford Regiment, which was known as the Red Devils, which was then embraced by the club. Is that true or false? you got to <laughs> well, repeat well, that. Well, we used me. to be called... <laughs> yeah. well, well, go on, I think it's fine. Go on, go Manchester again. United's nickname, the Red Devils, was founded in World War I due to the 1st Battalion of the Salford Regiment, which was known as the Red Devils, the club then adopted. Oh, no, no, because, no. World actually, War One, remember, 1914 19, oh, to 1918, a so, time ago. So Matt Busby, I think, was part of the reason why we were called the Red Devils, um, or something to do with rugby or something. And then the, we used to be called the Red Phoenix beforehand. So really? I think this might, yeah, yeah. Oh, Red Phoenixes. Fact or fiction locked in? 
I, I, I could be the, wrong. The, the, I, just, I just feel like you really enjoyed making that up because I've got no <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah. I, just, I just feel like... Uh, you, well, you would be I'm, right. I'm, I'm, it okay, is fiction. fiction. Yes. <laughs> Wait, is it like a tweak though? Is it yeah, like... No. Oh, okay. Um, Marcel, Marcel right. you're right. It is because after the Munich Air disaster, the club thought calling, like, you know, calling yeah. them the Busby Babes yeah. after the Munich Air disaster didn't really work. So Busby nicked the name from the Salford Rugby Club, yeah. who were called the Red Devils after a oh. Um, oh, okay. thing in the 30s. Just That's nip. really good ball knowledge. Yeah, Thank you. Big I thought you didn't know anything. What the hell? What <laughs> I don't. I, it's in there. I said I'm stealing it from there. He's got, got everything there. <laughs> Number four. In 2019, Manchester United claimed to have over one billion fans across the planet after they said that one in seven people were Man United fans. True or false? Did you say United? They said that. United, United said claimed that. they have yeah. over a billion fans in 2019, did they? They claimed more. They, I remember yeah. someone. I, I don't know if it was well, they, from the they, club. They or claimed not. they claimed one in seven. One in seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one in seven. Oh, but it's in 2019. I think they have more. So I'm going to say fiction. They did claim this yes. Yes. in a letter to investors. They said they th- they estimated that one in seven people Manchester United yeah, players. Wow. players would obviously, they're now being eight yeah, billion people on the planet. The I think there's going to be one point one billion. Yeah, yeah. Funding the Glazers. Um, next one. Marcus Rashford is the fifth highest scoring Premier League player who currently plays in the league. True or false? Who currently plays in the league. So fifth highest goal scorer in the Premier League that's all currently time active, yeah, of all time, time that's currently active wow, in the league. that's a great question, you know. Do you have any borders there that score goals in the Premier right now? That, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of like long term. Yeah, 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 exactly. Fifth highest Not top active five, just player. Fifth. Yeah. That's a hard one. Somebody in the comments will get this. Yeah. That's gonna annoy me. I, I can't. Uh, oh, what are you to gonna be fair? I'm gonna. Have I to can't really it. cheat on people. So. Think I'm gonna have to. The fifth stick, stick to your own opinion. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. The fifth highest, as in like he's number five. It doesn't number matter. five on that list out of people who are currently playing in the Premier League. Thank you. So obviously that doesn't count people who have retired or yeah. left the league. Like Sergio Aguero, that man. Yeah. I'm gonna go. That's, I'm gonna go. Think fact or fiction? I don't think he's an elite Who else is there right now though? That could possibly be Yeah, true. He might not be fifth, he might be higher, to be honest. Yeah. It's true. Okay. He is. <laughs> he is behind Salah, Sterling, Son, and Callum Wilson. Wow. wow. Callum Wilson's got, got 86 Premier League goals, Rashford's on 80. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, well, I was looking at this morning. Right, you yeah. only got one right. Only, I think, one or two. <laughs> there you go. You can use Thank it. you very much. This one, I think, is just going to be a complete guessing game. Manchester United's first ever recorded fixture, while the club was named Newton Heath LYR Football Club, was a thumping 4-0 win over Bolton Wanderers on the 20th of November, 1880. True or false? I've got to think yeah, back I mean. to it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was there for that one, actually. Yeah. Can't remember how many goals it was. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's complete guess. Do you, have really? the, do you have the, the result of the actual first game? Yeah, he does. I think it's yeah. 2-1 or 2-0. Oh, okay. Anyway, I'm going to go... He's kind of me. Got that vague yeah. like, ball knowledge. You've all gone fiction? That's yeah. correct. Okay. It was oh, a 6-0 loss, six nil loss oh, wow. against okay. Bolton, yeah. Against who? Wow. Bolton. Bolton, okay. Wow. No, actually, not even Bolton. It was their, their reserve. Oh, I might have read that. Do you know what? I think that was on the yeah, um, your... on this day book that I was reading the other day. <laughs> Keep forgetting. You got it right. I've got... I don't even... I right. think I'm right. <laughs> Number seven. After Old Trafford was bombed, it took the club five years to rebuild the stadium. True or false? Might, might be true, this, I reckon. Mm-mm. 
It is false. Yeah. yeah. Old Trafford wasn't bombed, was it? It was. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we, we were... Old Trafford main, was main bombed, road. but it, 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 it oh, took the yes, club yeah. nine years to rebuild oh, yeah, the stadium. Okay. Really? Yeah, 1941 to 1949. Eight years. I can't lie. Well, including 1941. I could be wrong about how many I've got right here, but you know, you just watch the tape back. We've got receipts, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number eight. Manchester United have won every competition they've ever played in. Okay, let me check this one. Every um competitive competition. Though not counting pre season. Um there's like random Premier League Asia Cup things. Because we're the greatest team the in the greatest. world. The greatest. I feel like there's one of the one that we haven't won. I'm trying to think. Europa League, yes. That's what I was going to say. Europa Champions League. I League, think Europa yes. League tied it off. Club it, World Cup, yes. I think I'm right. Oh, Europa well, Conference League, sure. Well, we haven't played. Are you locking in fiction or fact? Well, I, I locked it in. So. <laughs> <laughs> in fiction. No, I respect that, kid. You would have been right. Oh. It's fact. Oh. In 2017, United won the Europa, Europa League. Europa League, exactly, yeah. And that confirmed yeah, every yeah, competition. Yeah, yeah. But United haven't played haven't in the conference, in the conference yeah. league. Yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah, will next season. Well, I'm right in like four months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number nine. Manchester United have broken the British transfer record nine times across their history. Okay. True or false? Is that... Nine times. On the dot, okay. Precise still in this. We've broken mm. a few times. I think we've broken a few times. I don't yeah. know if it's nine. Um, I'm gonna have to nine is a lot. Yeah, Andy Cole. It's a lot of money. Have you got all the, have you got all the players in, in which we broke it? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Andy Cole's one of them, maybe. And Yeah, Andy Cole. Andy Eddie Sherring is one of Pogba, them, Pogba, I think, as well, was one. Pogba, Ronaldo, mm. no. No, no. Cole, yeah. Cole was one as well. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. I can't. Alan Smith. Is, Alan Smith might be in there as one of them. A cheeky one as well. I'm mm. gonna go fact. You know why not? Mm. Fiction. Fact. Fiction. That is false. Oh, it's fiction. Take that. <laughs> it was seven <laughs> times. Can How many? Seven times. Seven times. Okay. What players? Seven. United have broken the record for yeah. Roy Keane, Andy Cole, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Juan Sebastian Veron, Rio Ferdinand, Di Maria, and Paul Pogba. Was Look at that, the last, the latest ones are the worst, the, the, the worst <laughs> yeah. ones, really. It's, it's hard right. as well to like kind of remember, because I, I was thinking Luke Shaw in my head, but he was a teenager. He's, he's he was a record a teenage for the one, not anymore, yeah. but he was. Because yeah, yeah. there's loads of ones like that where it's yeah, like different yeah. records. Yeah, I didn't know Roy Keane was a record signing. Yeah, I thought But it was, I think it was about like 1.5 million or something, yeah. And also, it's, it, you're right, it's a weird one because obviously he was, we signed him from a relegated Nottingham Forest, right? Yeah. to get relegated, so, yeah. Right, last question, question 10. The most common non-English nationality to play for United is Scotland with a total of 57 players. Ooh, 57. I'm back to when he's flying that flag. <laughs> <laughs> the latest and greatest. Yeah, yeah, uh, I can it's imagine obvious. that being... That's that being banging. But the problem is, he's questioned, yeah, it could be 56. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm evil. I'm evil. You know, what do you mean? I'm an very evil demon. precise. The, the quiz master. Is, yes, uh, very precise. I can confirm that is, in fact, true. Okay, good. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take, take that. that. Six points for me. I'll take that. Why have you done your tally like that? Yeah, you meant to look at his tally. Yeah, you meant to, to tally it up. Like he's this. just done all the lines. It's <laughs> just <laughs> like. Now you're going to count them up. <laughs> I don't know, but I got. See, I can The whole point is to make it easier to count. Yeah. I got so, so we've got oh, nine out of ten, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, I, I don't know for six, sure. Six, seven, six, 
And I don't even seven. know. Seven. Wait, we've had ten questions. Had oh, ten I'm questions. Definitely not nine. I'm probably like eight. <laughs> probably like eight. I've probably got two wrong. We've got we've got to go back on the yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you go back on the tape, you can you can put it eight in after. Than nine. All eight. right. I think those questions were harsh. No, I think we. They were good. I, think, no, I never said they were going to be easy. <laughs> I think we've got to go higher sweat. or lower on some yeah, of them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, higher or lower, rather than fact. I like those questions. Like they were good yeah, questions. Good, yeah. They were. They were though. Yeah. Spent about an hour on just Google this morning, just like trying to find <laughs> the most. All, you went, facts. I, I went through the United Wikipedia page and I was trying to check the sources to check if it was actually exactly. true or not. Because mm. I can put anything on Wikipedia. Yeah. So the um that, that World War One thing about the battalion thing, I originally Google, so I googled like you know United Facts, and that came up as a fact, mm. and I was like, there's no way that's true. Yeah. So I checked it, and it turns out it was false. But I just used it as a fact, and then said it was false, oh. and found a real reason. Oh. Genius. That's why it sounded so yeah, real. Exactly, yeah. And it was so, yeah. it was so <laughs> I could detailed. not make that up at ten a.m. this detailed. morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, there you go. Well done. Yeah. No. <laughs> not too bad though. Right. Next section. Talking about transfers. January window. United are doing nothing but loaning out their players. And now, suddenly, United have started adding, you know, buyback clauses, sell-on clauses, loan options in their deals. I mean, you've got to assume that that's somewhat Ineos-influenced. Mm-hmm. What I do mean, you think it's, about it? It's a positive change, I think, because I think a lot of people were worried about Hannibal and Fernandez potentially just either going out on loan with an option to buy. And then a, you see a club like Benfica go in for your player and you're like, Way. They're the ones when you know that the player's probably quite good. Um, so it's kind of refreshing to see us put those kind of things in to protect our back if he goes on loan there, does well, they buy him and then he ends up being the kind of player that a lot of people who follow the youth thinks that he can be and then we can still kind of we get can, something yeah. back from that. So I think what's been what's been annoying me in the past about selling our youth, like, you know, I don't know if it was you guys posted it actually, there's a, a whole list of players that we sold for nothing, peanuts, you yeah. know, in, the, in the past however many years, um, that we would have all thought had serious potential. So I think in one sense, I'm like, okay, people like Avar Fernandez, did we? Did he need to go right now? Um, but at the same time, when I'm thinking about, okay, what, what, it would would have would it have ended up like a late, you know, one of these I can say Lingard, he's not a youth, you know, but one of these little kids, uh, other youngers that would just sell for nothing, like one mil, two mil, five hundred thousand, some of them. Um, exactly. Yeah, he went then, there, yeah. Then. And then you're thinking, okay, so maybe it is better, like you said, to sell them now and at least have the buyback clause that if they do get really good, we can buy them back and maybe then sell them on again later on for actual mm. money. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's. I, I mean. It's weird one with the youth because obviously there's some which aren't like you're never going to produce youngsters who are just going to come into exactly. the team and like make an impact. But you know, I haven't really made like enough of. Not all of them are going to be good, but a lot of them can be squad players, and then you don't have to spend all the money on the squad players. So I think they can improve on that. But if you are going to sell them, like I said, like or, or loan them out or something like that, then make sure you're protected, which. It does seem like it's Ineos kind of leading yeah. the way with that. Yeah, I, I agree with that notion in terms of Ineos being the forebearer of this kind of new selling players, making sure we retain value. I think they're even trying to maybe a future fees as well. We get a percentage yes. on the future fee on okay. certain players. So this is we're streamlining the squad, I think, or, or the, the club as a whole. Trying to you know anything that comes out of the squad, we're trying to ascertain a sort of value from them. Yeah. Uh, this is good news, you know. But we, then we, you compare it to sorry to cut you there, no, but we, we compare it to like City, right? This season or last season, they sold Trafford to Burnley. Yeah. He'd never touched the Premier League. And I think, I can't remember how much sold him for, but it was a considerable amount more it's than 20, 25 mil, wasn't 20, it? Yeah. When have we yeah. ever got 20 mil for any of our, our youth players? Do you yeah, know what I mean? this it's because their youth is so, like, kind of, the, the whole thing at City is just mm. so yeah, exactly. well streamed that these players are all 
might, might be looking better than they actually are. I mean, mm. he probably is a really, like, I think he's done all right yeah, for Burnley right whenever boy. I've watched, but it's so much easier when, think, you, when you've got Kane, it sorted. I think, Kane, their structure it allows them to, you know, produce good footballers and sell them on for a profit because of the academy, the, the, the reputation that they have there. I think... Uh, Pep's uh, board of director, I think, came into the club a year before he yeah. actually entered yeah. the football yeah. club. Berkson, so, yeah. you know, that kind of, you can already see the way that they're, you know, already trying to streamline the club for, for the particular manager and follow within his kind of system. So I think that's the yeah. reason why, uh, Rich, you know, they, they're so well at selling players and, and, and creating good footballers. Yeah. You know, Cole Palmer, for example, as yeah. well. Exactly. Um, yeah. And they can afford to sell the good ones oh, kind yeah. of thing because, like, yeah. Cole Palmer was just a squad player for them. Lavia. Whereas for Chelsea. Yeah, Lavia, yeah. Lavia came as yeah. well, you know. He was part of the youth system and then goes on to his other club and then finds himself at Chelsea, I think. But yeah, I do think so. United are get, like United have got a good crop of youth players. Like I've been following them like I followed the Gonacho and uh, okay, the Kobe yeah. Mainu team which yeah. won the FA Youth Cup and it's like I mean I went to the game the other day, the Swindon game, and we lost in the yeah, FA Youth Cup. So. But there's some good players there. I mean, I think a lot of people have heard of uh, Shay Lacey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's really talented, and obviously he's he's young, so you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But there's some other players in the squad. We bought ha- Harry Amas um, okay. in the summer, left back. He's literally like he reminds me so much of Luke Shaw, and obviously. Whatever yeah, you think oh, of Luke yeah. Shaw, but <laughs> yeah. he's got con- contrasting opinions. But yeah. I think Luke Shaw's quite a good player, yeah. so I think there's a lot of talent coming through. So United have made kind of like some positive movements in mm. the academy, I'd say, and hopefully we can um, tie down Isaac Hansen Aaron as well. Yeah. I just, I just think the strategy that we've gone with at the moment is we either sell the top players because we know we've got the FFP kind of situation and we're trying to kind of tighten the belt a little bit. So you sell the top players maybe for a massive amount of money. Or you sell the floor raisers, yeah. you know, the youth players, and try and you know get closer to 50, 60 million yeah. ascertained, and then get another big player and see if you know he can mix well with the bigger players. And if they can't, then you sell maybe a, another big star. You know, that can, you can you maybe lose money in, in certain situations for wages and things like that. But I think that's the kind of direction that Ineos are going in. It just means that it's squeaky bum time and in the market. We're not going to spend 50, 60 million right now. You know, we'll have to wait for them to come in, of course, but. I don't know. I, I feel like it's a it's a good move. You know, some of the youth players are not good enough. Sedanic Bow maybe wasn't good enough for the league, mm. unfortunately. You yeah. know, Robbie Savage, unfortunately, maybe wasn't good enough Robbie for the Savage. league. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Savage. Sorry, yeah. Dan Savage. Dan Robbie's Savage. the one. Robbie wasn't even. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. We basically lost Robbie Savage as well because his yeah. coverage oh, of United. As soon, <laughs> as soon as he son left, went from completely yeah. biased to yeah. completely against. Charlie Savage has gone to Reading, and I don't know if you've seen the Reddings Charles just Savage, yeah. capitulated. The, the yeah. fan they got the game man the other day because yeah. the fans stormed the Fair pitch. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was, so one thing I was going to say, I was going to raise a point of the amount of money that are in these buybacks. So not the buyback, yeah. the sell-on clauses. So yeah. Benfica's is about five point two million pounds. So um, Alvaro Fernandez to Benfica, and then Hannibal's is about seventeen million pounds. When you see, such as using City as an example again, Cole Palmer was what about forty, forty-five million. Mm. Trafford twenty, twenty-five million to Burnley. Do you think that's just a reflection of the fact that United's academy just on beyond maybe well, just Cobby and Garnacho, mm. this is just a reflection that the players coming from the youth just are not as good as the players going to the other youth uh, clubs coming from the other youth clubs, yeah. or is it just the case of United not being that great at selling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of both because it's, 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 yeah. it's a symptom of um, us not being a good as, as good at selling as maybe a City or some of the other smaller clubs. But and I'm, I include City <laughs> in the smaller clubs <laughs> <laughs> comment as well, um, but. It's also a case of United not very good right now. So then it's almost like, look, I'm I'm saying that oh the the 
the talent below my first team is really, really good. You should buy it for 50, 40 mil. But actually, I'm looking at your first team thinking, your first team's not that good. <laughs> so if he's that good, then why don't you just play him in your first team yeah. and instead of selling us all, you know? So it's very hard for you as a seller, I guess, in that market to be able to be like, okay, yeah, you should pay this much for X player um, when I see that your general system isn't producing good players right now. Mm. Um, and then the one or two players that are good, you know, the Ganachos, the Kobe Minos, um, we don't want to sell them, of course. And we only think they're good now because they're playing in the first team and proving themselves. Whereas, which, which is the annoying thing, City didn't have to even do that. Like They just like, well, our players are super, really good. These guys are only not in the team because we've got world-class players in the team. Trust me, they're world-class. Yeah, they've just got a surplus yeah. of players who are just fantastic. You look, at, you look at how United have dealt with loans as well, and I think like like James Trafford we were speaking about for City, he went on a really good loan to Bolton, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And, he, and obviously it's still quite surprising that a Premier League club kind of forked out so much for him. But you look at some of the loans United have done, and it's kind of like, there's been some successful ones, but you look at Ahmad, had a really good loan at yeah. Sunderland, but what happened the year before? We sent him to Rangers, who were like kind of challenging for the title with mm-hmm. um, Celtic, Celtic and, it, yeah. and he didn't really get any minutes there. And you can kind of go for... Uh, and then you look at one of the only probably successful ones alongside Ahmad at Sunderland is James Garner at mm-hmm. um, Nottingham Forest. And what did we get for him? Not did a we lot. Get about 10, 15? About 10 mil. So yeah. it's like you get, the, yeah. you get the good loan, but then you need the negotiations and you need the kind mm. of strength which you mentioned yeah. rich where you can go well he's the reason he's not in the first team so is because we're so stacked yeah. whereas you don't really have that excuse at united mm-hmm. so yeah there's there's loads of different reasons i think i think you can if you stuck Han- hannibal and alvaro fernandez in city's youth team they probably would have sold them for more it's just like yeah. it's just a fact but do you think united can't afford to charge clubs a premium by saying oh they're a Carrington academy player exactly. in the same way that like say Chelsea and City can because Chelsea and City can now they can prove over a course of a number of years that they are able to produce fantastic talents like time after time after time whereas at United it's just that you can point to Marcus Rashford and go see we made him but and you can point to maybe Garnacho Romano in the last year say we made him to but fair, yeah, it's just not like there's so many players at the moment who kind of they come out of the academy and they're kind of okay mm. And they're That's just not United. able. United not able to say they come from our academy, and they're great. Yeah, United's exactly. academy has been about like because we we still smash out players who pr- play in the Prem. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah generally. But yeah. but it's yeah. not those top level um, kind of yeah. guys. Yeah. But yeah, it's still uh, the academy. We just got to like find. I think there's good stuff in the academy mm. at the moment, but it's just fine tuning the stuff which clubs like City are doing basically. What do you think that's down to though Kane? Get, making that, that jump from the academy to the first team because you know Tenog is kind of trying to do that now you know we, yeah. we did see yeah. you know Savage, we did see Zidane, we did see Kobe, we have seen Ganacho, we've been seeing Kamawala really so we've seen players you know at the end of the day why haven't we been able to get them into the first team regularly or to ascertain a, a big value for them do you think? I, I don't know. It's a difficult question because I think behind the scenes there's there's stuff being done. Like I think you there's a lot of kind of integration with youth play, like twenty ones going up to the first team yeah. and training. I think Dan yeah. Gore kind of got. I think oh, we we saw. I think it was Manchester Evening News kind of said that before his debut there were like three to four months consecutively where well, he was training. doing very well in yeah. training. So it's kind of like. The, I think the behind-the-scenes stuff isn't too bad. I think you look at City, uh, when, when I watch their youth sides, or, or, or even Chelsea, I think, in the past mainly, but it's been 
there's been a lot of kind of integration between the first team oh, and the yeah. youth and the youth sides. So I think United aren't quite there with how they look at their youth si- youth sides. I think it doesn't help that the I think the managers change like basically yeah, every yeah. year the past few years. So that might not help, but I think that's the main thing about mm-hmm. getting the youth sides to play the exact same way as the first team yeah. and when your first team doesn't know how to play at the moment yeah. like it's yeah. kind of more difficult Just zero consistency yeah. you, see, you see those players coming from other teams who might have that kind of link straight through it's straight yeah. through and there's yeah. there's no like Rico Lewis has done it for City like there's and there's multiple other examples mm. where it's seamless isn't it um, and what I was going to say really is actually what I've come to realise with United a lot of the time is we think a player is better than they are um, when we overrate a player, especially, especially when when the player's not there, right? So like one minute looking at the first team, one minute you're like, oh, I'm fed up with Casemiro. He's not doing. He's not doing that. And then he's out for a month. He's like, oh, we miss Casemiro. We need Casemiro back. So his absence really does make the, the yeah. heart of thunder when it comes to United players, right? Mm. So then it's the same thing that happens now with you know Sancho, for example. People are like, oh, Sancho would have been the answer to the right hand side. Well, we should have played on the right hand side more. What did Sancho do at this club while he was here, and not just under Ten Hag, right? Also, then with the youth players we're talking about now, you're thinking a lot of people are like, oh, just throw this guy in. He must be better than what we've got. He must be better than McTominay. must be better than so-and-so people. But it's just hypotheticals. So yeah. in, in reality, we don't know. Okay, yes, yeah, a lot of people do follow um, the youth teams and the, the way they play down there as well. But you don't know how good these kids really are until they put them in the first team. And even the people who follow them, like uh, Maynu, I followed him. He was yeah. such a good talent. But you can't predict you that don't. he would have... Yeah adapted so well yeah. and other players won't adapt as well as he did yeah exactly so you kind of have to trust the i don't know the scouts or the people that actually this is their job right to make the decision to say actually you know maybe this guy's not as valued as you know maybe some people on the outside world might think obviously i think the reason we all doubt united at the moment is because we've seen that these guys clearly don't know what they're doing in a number of ways you know whether it's transfers whether it's you know you know, whatever, spending money, you know, selling, bringing money in. So then we start doubting their talents in every aspect in terms of the backroom stuff I'm talking about here, not the players themselves. So that's why we think, oh, surely you can get more for this player. But we don't know. We, we actually yeah, don't know yeah, how good yeah. these players are. So I think sometimes we have to, as fans, be a bit more like, okay, let's just see where it goes. And that's why, you know, to go back to where we started in terms of the, the, um, the buyback clauses and the sell-on fees, um, sell-on clauses, it's good that at least we have those kind of things in place now so that we have a, a level of protection if these players do yeah. become flipping Messi or you know Ronaldo yeah, then okay yeah. like, bring him back I've been, I've been seeing <laughs> clips of Zidane he looks like he's controlling the tempo at his club mm. currently now. well you can say yeah. the same Andre, uh, six Gomez position. remember Gomez Andre Gomez yeah, yeah oh, he, was, he's really he was pretty good, good as well mm-hmm. so you know yeah so yeah. now with mm. hopefully this new era we will put those things in place where we can bring these players back it's been needed as well I think mm. I think like, I, sorry I think it's quite smart as well because um it's deciding which players to do it with as well. And we're already seeing, I think, Medjia, um has gone permanent transfer, I think. Yeah. Is it permanent transfer? So he's gone on a permanent transfer, but there's, there's no fee. But what United have done is there will become a fee based yeah. on performance and appearances. Okay. But he, he was a really talented player when he came, but he's had a lot of injury troubles the past few years. Yeah. And that's kind of an example of United. You'd, th- you'd think yeah. they'd go, right, it's unlikely that he'll do as much as maybe Hannibal or mm, Fernandez yeah. would. So they're kind of, it seems that small sample size yeah, and all, but it seems like they're choosing kind of the right yeah. players to go with. Mm. United should have put these like, I think, <laughs> put them in ages ago. Like, like one thing that comes to mind for me is Jesse Lingard's loan to West Ham in 2018. If we'd slapped a 25 mil buy, 
clause at the end of the contract, like an option or not, or, or like six months obligation if he scores seven goals. He scored like what was it like eleven goals or yeah, something yeah. in sixteen games, which would have been unlikely at the time, right? You yeah, before. So and you like, think, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, like so twenty then, twenty, yeah. and then that would have been just cash that United we've just had yeah. and United kept him and also it would have helped the guy himself because look at him now he's not yeah, he's, he's still not like he's being he, and he wants to play skulls. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. and he wants to play so I think sometimes we actually do a disservice to the players themselves yeah I, know, so, I agree yeah, so, I think yeah. that United it's a, it's a smart move I do think it's not enough money yet Okay, no, it's probably enough money now, f- considering kind of the context and situation. <laughs> but but United will want to be starting to put 30, 35 yes. million clauses yeah. in there yeah. that become obligations if the players play like you know over fifty percent of minutes or something. I think, but it's a step in the right direction. It yeah. seems like the United, uh, the guys behind the scenes have started playing some football manager. Yeah, started seeing the different options exactly. you can choose. Oh, oh, look at this. There's a lot. Yeah, That's I mean, like Fernandez's is um, loan to. Um, Benfica has about four four clauses in it. Oh, wow. It's got a percentage like buy option that becomes a buy obligation and a percentage yeah, thing, and there's add-ons as well. And they've literally just picked every yeah. just picked all <laughs> options all, yeah. at the bar. Get the money just in also, the future. Isn't, isn't his um, contract running down though? His actual United contract. Oh, actually, I, I, don't I, know. Thought, I thought his contract was about to to be up. So I'm not entirely yeah. sure. It won't, it won't be up this summer because be, they yeah, were putting him alone. But maybe next sense, summer. Yeah, I'm not sure. They've probably got that plus one option that United put in every single contract. Yeah, like clockwork. Yes, yeah, every single one. Yeah. Oh, actually, on the topic of that, what do you guys think about the Raphael Varane stuff? I know this is a couple mm. weeks ago, but the whole not giving him a new contract and hoping mm. he'll still extend. What do you think? I think I think it makes sense. I think it goes back yeah. to what we're saying now. Like, I love Varane. You know, let's because you have to almost caveat everything you say <laughs> these days. Yeah. I say I'm not saying Varane's better, worse than you know X Y Z. Anyway, um, I do love Varane. I think he would be good for the team to sustain the team, but at a certain price. You know, we can't yeah. keep him. And similar to Casemiro, and you know, certain decisions that have been made in the past, they need to be rectified, and that's what they're trying to do, I believe, with this. Say, look, we want you to stay, but like this, you know. Mm. Um, and I think that's part of the issue with the hair as well when when they got rid of him. Obviously, a bit more in terms of style of play, but um, I think it's more of a case of trying to get players to be a right price point, essentially, um, in terms of their contract. And I think it makes sense. I'm not going to caveat anything. I think he should go as soon as possible. You think? A hundred percent, Dylan. Is that a performance thing or is that just he's a not worth what you pay? A or? Manchester United thing, you know, really? as, as the whole situation right now, we can't afford to play players astronomical wages right now and for them to only be able to be around for 75% of the okay. games in a All season. Right. I see what you mean. True. So, you know, we have to make kind of, we're, we're tightening the belts right now yeah. and we have to make, you know, there's, there's, how old is he now? 30 odd? No, he's younger than Maguire though, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's like a month younger than Maguire. It's not that, you know. It's but his durability is not going to yeah. be Maguire's level durability. Yeah, that's right. Which is a that's fact. Right. So we need players that are going to be playing maybe 90% of games throughout a season. And, and, and Varane can't do that for us, unfortunately. So you think you United take... should be more dramatic than not even say, we'll offer you reduced wages, just say, you've got to go. It's the same with David De Gea, unfortunately. But, but I, I've... Mm. That De Gea saga has probably got fans thinking like it's the same thing going to happen now yeah. where they just drag out a saga with the player's contract running down and he just leaves. Yeah. I I can see your argument, but like, you do want some experience kind of in the squad. I, I, I would, if you, can, or if you can kind of negotiate that, like a lower fee... I think and he's there's happy. a lot of positives to keeping Varane. Like when he's fit, he is amazing. he's probably the he's, be- he's the best United box box, box defender. defender. Yeah, he's and and people have questions over his ball playing abilities, but I think especially this season, you go you you We're look at the basics yeah. kind of thing, yeah. and United haven't been yeah. good enough playing at the back with yeah. or without him. So. Yeah, I think it's worth keeping him if United can kind of negotiate that down because. 
injuries and kind of with his age, you don't want to kind of stick him on another like three-year contract. Yeah, with yeah for me, wages. for me, I think it comes back to what I said earlier about the lack of trust in the United structure. Because for me, I'm like, I know Varane's good when he plays, right? And obviously, you hope, you always hope that he plays more than the 75, or whatever. But saying get rid of him, okay, cool, get rid of Maguire, get rid of Lindelof. The replacements are they going to be good enough? Yeah. Do you know what I mean that's that's the scary thing for me because and obviously we can't do that. Obviously we can't just hold on to players because we don't trust United to replace them well enough. But that's one of the reasons why I'm like, okay, if we if I don't trust them to bring a guy that's good enough to replace Varane, get rid of um, let's say Maguire, but hopefully the replacement you know Varane could train this guy or something. I don't know. Yeah. What is our level of good right now? Well, right, we're not winning any leagues or Champions Leagues right now. So, but we can with Varane. This good, we can with Varane. If, he, if a fit Varane can win, I mean, he's proven it, he can win titles. He yeah. could win. Not just he him, could. not could. just him, though. Yeah. He needs you don't to know if he can anymore, because if he's not yeah. available often enough, you, you can't win a title with someone playing yeah, 60% fair. of the games. And yeah. on top of that, Dylan and Rich, he needs 10 other footballers and a squad to... Football's not just one footballer. Of course. It's a... So, you know, he has to go, unfortunately. I think there'll be... He has to be replaced. There's that's, plenty that's more footballers. <laughs> he's, got, he's got to go, blood. He's got to go. <laughs> Todibo, Todibo, Diamande. Uh, well, yeah, we say the names, but are United going to do the job of that to bring And then are they going to spend up, spend 75 million on them when they were worth that's 20 right. beginning of the summer in another Anthony thing? Yeah. So that's that's, 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 that's where I sit. But... It is all, yeah. It's all about the replacements. Mm. Like, I, I, I ideally keep him if you can kind of negotiate that down. But... It's all. It's like in an ideal world, you'd bring in two unreal twenty-three-year-olds. Yeah, 100 yeah, yeah, But does, okay, put it this way, then, Kane. Does he stay if we get a replacement in next summer, uh, a, a man that plays one hundred percent games, and he's on his astronomical wages, or even on his two hundred? A little bit lower. Yeah. Does he really stay and stay on the bench? Yeah, I guess that's a question. Like for like, Varane's going to be having to ask because if you do buy Tadebo, who mm. you'd think would be starting alongside Lissandra. Is Varane going to be happy maybe being like a, Here a, we go. a backup kind mm. of thing? Like, But then it might not be that. It might be kind of like, well, it depends whether yeah. we're in four competitions yeah, or not. Say. But yeah, I guess that it, it's interesting. I, I, I'm quite curious to see what United are actually going to do with that situation. Whatever they do, just get it right this time, please. I've had enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just have had enough. Final game section. We're going to be asking... Well, as many questions as we can in two minutes. You've got to see how many you can get correct. And then we're going to go on, can't really see it up there, this leaderboard. We're going to have everyone we ever ask on the leaderboard, a bit like a certain motor show on the BBC that used to go. Right. We will have. You ready? Yes. Round one. To Manchester United fans, which player is affectionately known as the King? Nice. Good, correct. What is Manchester United's record win in all competitions in history? 8-2? Nope, 10-0 versus Underlet. Which player holds the record for most Manchester United appearances? Ryan Giggs. Correct. True or false? The famous dab dance move was invented by Paul Pogba. True. False. Who is the only Manchester United player to win the European Golden Boot while playing for the club? Uh, Rooney? Cristiano Ronaldo. Which Manchester United manager was at the wheel? Ole! Correct. Who was Sir Alex Ferguson's first signing for Manchester United? Viv Anderson. Which pundit famously said, you can't win anything with kids? Um, the Scottish guy. I don't know. Alan Hansen. Yeah. Who was the only United player to miss a penalty in the 2008 Champions League final? Tevez. Ronaldo. Who was the first player to wear the number seven shirt after Cristiano Ronaldo? 
Michael Owen. Which player did Sir Alex Ferguson famously injure by kicking a boot at him? Liam Beckham. Correct. Who did Louis van Gaal once call Mike? Um, Paul Tyler Blackett. Chris Smalling. Is Sofian Amrabat the first Moroccan to play for Manchester United? Yes. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. How much did United sell Robin van Persie for? Three or ten million? Did you return? 4.7 million to Fenerbahce. Who ended up costing Manchester United more, Paul Pogba or Romelu Lukaku? Oh, Romelu. Correct. Two stands at Old Trafford are named after which people? Sir Alex and uh, Sir Bobby. True or false? Manchester United once pulled out the FA Cup to play. And that's time. Oh, Two minutes man. is up. How many did I, I get mean... right? How did I get right? Seven. Seven. Not bad, actually. Seven's a special number. You, you picked up at the end. Is it? <laughs> it was, yeah, it you got a few like right at the end. Some, okay. of that, some of those questions are a bit... No, no, thank you. Round two. Old Trafford is situated on which road? Main road. So Matt Busby Way. Oh. The 2003 Champions League final was held at Old Trafford. Which two teams play? Um, United. Barca. Nope, Juventus and AC Milan. True or false? Manchester United once pulled out of the FA Cup in order to play in the Club World Cup. True. True. Which Manchester United? So, which team did Manchester United play in a game that became known as the Battle of the Buffet? False. Arsenal. Who did Sir Alex Ferguson want to be Manchester United's number seven before David Beckham took the shirt? False. Roy Keane. Who were Manchester United playing when Eric Cantona kung fu kicked a fan? Blackburn. Crystal Palace. Which three players are the Holy Trinity statue made out of? Made up of? So one more. No. Bob Charles, sorry. Um, uh, oh, oh, past, oh. Dennis Law. Dennis Law and George Dennis Best. Law. Which two teams have Manchester United defeated 9 0 in the Premier League? Ipswich. Yep. And uh, did it recently? Is it Bournemouth? Southampton. Which Premier League side did Michael Carrick recently defeat as manager? Chelsea. Chelsea, well done. How many more goals does Wayne Rooney have for Manchester United than Sir Bobby Charlton? Ten. Four. 253 versus 249. Which two players were suspended for United's 1999 Champions League final? Joaquin. Yep, and? Defender. Skulls. Skulls, well done. Name one shirt number that David Beckham wore at Manchester United before the number seven. Uh, 20... No. No. Oh. 10 or 24. Who is Manchester United's longest-serving captain? Uh, right, no. Um, Steve Bruce. Brian Robson. What is his nickname? Brian Robson. Unlucky. Four. Three. Oh, that's only disgusting. Got three. That is disgusting. Let's go again. Right, for the, so for the final section today, we're going to be looking at the fans hot takes. We asked online on United District for some hot takes and I chose one in particular to kind of go through and we can discuss it. So obviously we've spoken about Ten Hag, whether he can work, whether he cannot. Someone, uh, Sarah, posted in the replies saying Ten Hag's system can't work in the Premier League because it asks the midfielders to cover too much space given the athleticism of Premier League players. I think it's quite an interesting kind of topic, mm. to be fair. Um, what do we think? 
I think start first, Kate. Dylan, do you want to start first? You, you go off myself. Yeah. Okay, so I, I thank you, Sarah, for the for the for the hot take. It's really <laughs> good, for Kane, um, in terms of picking it out. I think rest defense is really important in this shape that we're currently playing in, and and we're seeing like you know against the Wolves. As, as soon as the season started, we were seeing what Sarah the issue that we didn't realize realize it was going to be as big of an issue throughout all the games from mm. thus far, but. Um, we have to kind of, I think, we have to wait until he's got a group of players that are more suited to his system and are, and are under the instruction of what he wants to implement. I still feel like we have a group of counter-attacking players that are used to resting in their half of the pitch and then attacking instead of trying to play turnovers in the opposition's half, you know, getting all our players in the opposition half and then worry if we can't get out, then, you know, what's the recovery shape like and all these kind of things. So I think it takes time to adjust to that system. I think the players like Scott McTominay don't have the right temperament to know yeah. when to go and add their body their, their body to the to, to the opposition's half and to the forward line and then when to rest and 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 maybe take heed and and be a bit more patient as in when to go. So you have you know players that are not fully capable of understanding the temperament required in in the shape. Um, there's a lot of very very uh, you know touchy peculiar kind of situations there. I don't think it's a very you know straight kind of reason as to why. But um, it is a big issue, and I think Ten Hag, just like Pep, you know, Pep didn't originally have the the, the inverted fullbacks, you yeah. know, and he didn't really, and, and he originally didn't appreciate second balls as well. He says that in yeah. the interview as well. So for me, it's a thing where as he gets used to the league and starts and sticking with his principles and system, like a lot of people have been saying, you know, that Ten Hag keeps adjusting it, you know, and we're playing survival football. But if he sticks with his style of football, um, it will start to evolve. You know, and, and, and you did see Amrabat coming in, in the full back in, in from the fullback areas in his first ever game. So Tenog has tried to, you know, um bolster that midfield. Bolster yeah. that midfield. Yeah. Thank you, Rich, in terms of, you know, adding bodies to there and help support that situation. But I think it was too early maybe, you know, with this system to, to, to judge it because of the injuries as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's two things really. Um first of all, we just we, the players just aren't good enough right now, to be honest. Um, especially in that midfield. Um obviously Cobby's coming in now, hopefully performing better. Casemiro has been injured for most of the season, and even when he wasn't, we were, I do agree to the extent that we were relying on him to do too much in that number six role. If fact, any number six this season has been having to do too much for yeah. us at the moment. But it, you know, going back to my point was going to be back in relation to the fullbacks. Last season they were supporting that midfield a lot more than they have been this season. I think they're getting back to it now. You know, Dalo a lot uh, has been trying to do a bit more last few games. Um, not that it's worked that much, I guess. <laughs> but I think it is a case of. Ten Hag learning that yes, there's a lot of um, athleticism in the Premier League. There's a lot more, you know, that a, a midfielder will need to do. But ultimately, one thing I, I I really hold on to is that a midfielder should be able to do everything. Like I, I don't like I'm not here for this whole you know this new age like oh this midfielder can only do this that midfielder can only do that. Yeah. When we when I was growing up watching football, you know, as a kid. Look at the midfielders that we've got on the wall here. These guys could do all sorts. Roy Keane could do everything. You know, um, Scholes could do everything. Like these, these guys were proper midfielders. So yeah, you can put him, put so and so in a, you know, in a forward position in the midfield. But also, they could also defend and you know protect the back line. So I think my first point: the players are just not good enough, to be honest. Um, but yes, Ten Hag does need to learn, and I think he needs to go back a little bit to that supporting the midfield with the fullbacks or finding a way support the midfield and I think it will work I just have to give it time I'm hoping it will work yeah I think just kind of going off your point I think it is a case of the players aren't necessarily good enough but I don't think actually the midfielders aren't good enough I think it's the players around the midfielders aren't doing enough of their jobs so that the midfielders are starting to overcompensate yeah. and that's why it looks like the midfielders have to cover too much ground 
because the midfielders are, might have to be covering too far on the left because Rashford isn't pressing. I'm not saying yeah, Rashford in particular. Yeah. Re- they're not pressing or they're too, it's too easy to get around the press because maybe Bruno Fernandes being too loose with where he's going mm. or um, someone stepped too high up and so therefore Kobe Mainu might have to run behind one of the fullbacks in order to cover for them. And so it's a case of the midfielders are being worked more than they actually need to in Ten Hag's system. So it's therefore looking like that they need to do a lot more than they actually are doing. Whereas if the protection around them was better and the players were following their instructions better or they just simply were better at that kind of stuff, then midfielders, there'll be a lot less pressure on the midfielders. Yeah, I hear that. And I can kind of like, a good example of that is kind of like the fullbacks in our press. Like I feel like with United, it's kind of, and with Ten Hag, we look so good in the press whenever the fullback pushes up and properly applies pr- applies pressure. But sometimes, like it seems that we're kind of stuck in between. Do we go full out like that, yeah. or partly maybe because of form and because you think oh, we probably don't want to overcompensate? The fullbacks sit a little bit further back, and then you see teams kind of cut through us wide, cut back through the middle, and then the midfielders do get exposed a little bit more. And there are problems there, but I do think kind of. The fullback in possession as well, kind of like yeah, what you guys yeah. were saying with Dallow inverted, maybe that can help. But also in the press, I think it's um, not all the midfielders' fault. I think there's problems there, but the it's main. I, I think the press from the fullbacks. If Ten Hag just goes full throttle, kind of like what we've we've mentioned throughout, kind of mm-hmm. say stick to the principles. And if it's bad, then it's bad, and like we'll just work through it. But I'd rather it be that than kind of change, a compromise. So, yeah, Do I think... You, uh, go on. Oh, sorry, sorry, go on, you find No, nah, go on, man. Uh, so, so <laughs> what I was going to say, though, on, just on what you were saying there and before, do, do you think that the quality of our midfield is good enough? Because I think the best version of Liverpool had a workman midfield. There exactly. was no superstars yeah. there. Yeah. Nobody was really massively brilliant. They were just very engine-like, worked, hard. worked really hard. hard. I feel like, you know, we have a lack of discipline issue in our midfield, but the work is still, I think, is definitely there in Bruno. Bruno is very hard work. Mm. I think Scott works really hard. I think Kobe, to a degree, so. works in, in the wrong areas <laughs> yeah. is, is the thing. But yeah. is it more of a that Liverpool midfield, when they were competing, they didn't win many trophies compared to City, but they were competing with them to mm. the end. Do we just need players in the middle area that are, you know, engines and that can do cover the ground for this system? Or do we still need that quality? Because I think you're right to a degree in terms of it's not the quality of the midfield. It's just things around them and, and their understanding of their temperament and when to go and when not to go. So do we need to change that whole midfield or is it more of a thing of these guys have got the quality, just the rest of the pitch around them? Mm-hmm. I really don't think that United need to revamp their whole midfield. There are, I think, in my opinion, some players that just aren't up to scratch anymore. For example, Ericsson. Mm. I think, you know, quality players, some levels, I just think it's just not up to scratch. I think Mason Mount can be up to scratch if yeah. his calf ever recovers. Yeah, exactly. Forgot um, about that. Yeah. This is what I mean. Like he's missed yeah. like I think 17 games. Yeah. But I think he definitely does have the qualities to do that kind of stuff. Kobe Mainy obviously will need to learn, but so far it's looked pretty good. And another thing I think about is Sofian Amrabat, as much as he's not been great, I think part of that has been down to the fact that he's having to work a lot like that guy, you know, the whole kind of thing of, oh, he's got a third lung, he can run the length of the pitch. He like At least he can show that and even he looks like he's running too much. Yeah. Well, like, and the like one we... thing he can seem to do is run all day. So maybe even if he's not the world's greatest midfielder, you'd think that you know, I do have the players who can work in that midfield. It just clearly isn't. And there are players who definitely have at least some of the skills required to do so and they're unable to because the demands are simply too much due to the fact that around them there's just 
Nah, I've, got, I've got another uh, question. Does he have to change his system? I think he will adapt it and change it. And then, is he been pressured to keep on players like you know Bruno and Rashford, who affect like what we're saying that is, they're affecting the midfield because of what they're doing, running wildly. I remember against Newcastle, then it was really bad. Yeah. Rashford was just not pressing, and you know that whole left side is just so open. So it's just you know you're affecting the organism that is the team. You know, yeah. is 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 that a problem that you know? He's had to maybe throw his hat on certain players that you know could have maybe hindered. Because there's not really anyone else there. You know what I mean? Like there's okay. For every, a lot of fans always say, "Oh, you know, we need to change Bruno. We need to replace Bruno." But I first of all disagree with that. But secondly, who are you bringing in to this team that is going to be better than Bruno? Really? Okay, I like what you're saying about the organism of the team, the, the body of the team. How you know? It's, sometimes it's better to put in a player that works for that. Rather than uh, you know this talented and, player, and will tell you that yeah, one hundred percent. And like you said with the Liverpool example, you mm. know Henderson and all these you know, these guys in the midfield back then for them weren't world beaters. Wijnaldum, he was he did a job in that system. Um, so yeah, I think Ten Hag has to learn who fits the system the best. And this is why I think we were talking about it off camera actually. And you know you you mentioned Ange just now, and I hate to do this because he, he's only, he is only six months in in his tenure over there. But you can see what he's trying to do, and he does not care who's injured, who's not available. You have to play the way I want you to play in this system. And actually, I think a lot of uh, it, that comes down to discipline, player discipline, right? Um, a lot of the the successful teams, Liverpool, you know, um, even even Pep on with City, he's got a system and a way of play. Okay, tweaks Pep more so than than Klopp tweaks it a bit more actually. But um, as long as the system works. And you've 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 put that system. We talked about it from the youth as well. You put that system into your players, then ultimately you should stick with that system, and the players will have to just fit that, mm. you know. And then obviously then you start blind towards that system. But then then you start having a wider conversation about the structure of, the, of United as a whole. Uh, as well, I think like with and at Spurs, it's a perfect example yeah. as well. But you do kind of think, and he did get res- the results at the start of the season. But I think even if he didn't get the results for Spurs in the first like six, seven game weeks, I think if he was playing that kind of football, Spurs fans wouldn't have been too fussed. Yeah. They would have been like, right, we're, we're on a rebuild. Yeah, they weren't. Whereas, one in, they, they had a period, what, one in five, one yeah. win in five, something? Or yeah. no wins in five? Yeah. And, and they were still very happy. And it's and it's kind of like, I just think the pressure at United, like it's, yeah, it's it much. seems it seems like it's it affects the ability to be able to do that. Because you yes. hear Ten Hag every week, Every week without fail, he talks about how important getting a result is. Yeah. Yeah. And it is at United because yeah. it's like how big the club is. Yeah. But you kind of think if they were able to just kind of sideline that for a little bit and go, let's focus on how we perform, they might rebuild a little bit quicker. Yeah. But yes, it's definitely a debate to go yeah. for. But So effectively, Manchester United and their fans are their own worst enemies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, it's true. It's true. Every there's, single, there's so there's, much scrutiny on the team, isn't there? So. If there's over a billion of them as well. Everyone <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. is seven, yeah, yeah. seven fans, uh, present as a United fan. So, yeah, yeah, but thank you, Sarah, for the question. Yeah. Or the question, the hot take. I think it's a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we can kind of like get a kind of form going. I don't know, in the comments or something below, people put their hot takes or maybe we'll do yeah, a yeah. thing on we'll do a thing on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you've if you've week. if you've got any hot takes, put them in the comment section below. Yeah. And I think apart from that, wrapped up for the first first good. podcast. Now, if you've got any sort of um, improvements or ideas or things we should do, any games we should play, please put in the comments, let us know or just put it under any of our social posts. Apart from that, thank you. <laughs>